Good afternoon and welcome to our Sunday BMI online fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, again, we are so thankful for another Sabbath day that you have afforded to us. And uh, we pray that you would bless each aspect of this fellowship, the hymns, the Bible study, the questions and answers. And we thank you that we have your word to look to, this marvelous book that you have provided. Uh, each of these God-breathed words that you have penned and that you have given in one volume to your people for their growth and edification and for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so we thank you uh, for your care uh, of your people this past week. We thank you that we have this day that we can focus our attention upon your words and upon our relationship with you. And so again, Father, we commit this time to you. We thank you for each person that's able to listen wherever they might be and pray that you would meet uh, their needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, we ask these things with grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first hymn for the day is going to be Jehovah's Perfect Law. Jehovah's Perfect Law.
second hymn is going to be Fairest Lord Jesus. The third hymn is going to be How Bright the Morning Stars Appear. The morning appears the morning star. 
This is going to be uh, 2 Peter 2, part 20, and today's date is March 25th, 2018. Uh, let's again uh, ask the Lord for His uh, blessing upon our time. Father, again, we thank you that we have this uh, wonderful opportunity to look into the book of Peter. We thank you for what you have shown us, and we trust that you will continue to open our spiritual eyes and ears uh, to your truth. And could, be, could it be that whatever we do find, that we might be obedient to it. And we uh, pray uh, that you would indeed uh, continue to open our eyes and ears because uh, without your help, without your aid and guidance, uh, there's nothing that we can understand. And so we commit this time to you and ask uh, for uh, your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to go ahead. Welcome to Searching the Scriptures. Our Bible teacher will be Gunther von Haringa Sr., In Acts 17.11 we read, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So without further ado, let's look into God's word, the Bible. Let's go ahead and read, uh, starting in 2 Peter 2, uh, verse 1 down to verse 17. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness, shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these, as, <clears throat> excuse me, as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, 
speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings, while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. We have arrived at verse 15, which references Balaam uh, in the Old Testament. And we want to keep in mind that uh, in this chapter, which is one of the reasons why I read from the beginning, we see the, the fate of the fallen angels. We see those that were destroyed in the flood. We see the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And now we come to this uh, fourth reference having to do with Balaam. And so we want to spend a little time uh, looking at him, probably uh, not only today, but probably in the next couple lessons, uh, we want to continue looking at him in the Old Testament. Today, we're going to focus on the verses that speak about him in the New Testament, and there's only a couple of those. But let's uh, consider this first uh, phrase uh, in verse uh, 15, which have forsaken the right way. And it's comprised of three words, three Greek words. Uh, which have forsaken is Strong's number 2641. Uh, the right is uh, 2117. And way is 3598. And we'll, we'll start with 2641 first. Um, we find it, for example, in Hebrews 4.1, which is a very... A serious warning that God uh, gives. And here, uh, forsaken is uh, translated as a being uh, left. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us, excuse me, being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Also, if we go to Hebrews 11.27, here, again, it's translated as he forsook. And this is uh, speaking of Moses. And the proper biblical response, which uh, he demonstrated in his own life, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Uh, also, we can look at <clears throat> the, uh, the word, uh, the right way. Uh, again, the right is uh, 2117, and way is 3598. Uh, these two words uh, appear in a similar account uh, to that of Balaam, having to do with 
this false prophet, this sorcerer, uh, by the name of Bar-Jesus, or son of Jesus, and who's also called uh, Elimas in Acts 13, uh, 5 through 11. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Now, what we find uh, interesting here uh, in this passage is in verse 8, and I, I want to make a little detour here, uh, by interpretation, which is Strong's number 3177, and it's... Uh, Met Hermenuo. Uh, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly, uh, but uh, this particular word is a compound word, and the main word, Hermenuo, is where we get our English word hermeneutic. And this is very important for us to uh, remember this uh, because the Bible's hermeneutic is found in 1 Corinthians 2 11 through 13 and it's developed uh, in a number of other key passages, and it's greatly misunderstood, and it's also willfully ignored, uh, favored instead by the erroneous notion of the grammatical historical method, which is something, uh, which is a, a method that is being consistently taught in seminary. And this actually, serves as a gigantic impediment to truth. Uh, just as the Lord Jesus underscored to the religious leaders of his day and throughout history in Luke eleven fifty two, Woe unto you, lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in ye hindered. You've got to be careful with this word, lawyers, it's not referring, as we think of the term today, uh, in a legal manner, but it's referring to those that were uh, supposedly trained in the Word of God, in the law of God. The word for key uh, here is uh, 2807. And we, we find that, for example, if we go to uh, Revelation 3.7.
And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David. That's our word uh, here, uh, 2807, the key. He that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Uh, what's interesting is the root word uh, for this word, uh, the key, is 2808. And it's always translated as uh, shut, uh, just as we read here in this verse, uh, underscoring the fact that the Lord Jesus is the only one that can open the door. He's the only one that can close the door, having to do with salvation. And we find ourselves now behind this shut door. Uh, just uh, as we also read, for example, if we go, uh, even though this is a different uh, word because it's in Hebrew, if we go to Daniel 12, uh, 4 through 9, we see where God shut up the scriptures until the time of the end. Uh, Daniel, Daniel 12, uh, 4 and 9. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Uh, then in verse 11, I said 9, I think I meant to say 11. Um, let's see. Nope. Uh, yeah, it is nine. I, I apologize. And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. And of course, at the time of the end, uh, as, as we read in, um, in Revelation 5, 5, the Lord Jesus opened the book that had been sealed because now it, we were very close uh, to the end of the world. Uh, and one of the elders said unto, saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Now, I thought because, uh, this, uh, because we've run into this passage that we would look at some of the uh, crucial uh, verses, uh, starting with 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 13, having to do with the biblical hermeneutic, because they are the only safeguard as God the Holy Spirit works through His Word against the danger of falling, and even worse, remaining in error, uh, as we're going to see earlier or later in our study with respect to the idea of deception, which is going to come up. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 13, or actually 11 through 14. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. 
But the natural, that is the unsaved man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. It's interesting that God puts in this idea not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. And man's wisdom has to do with his own ideas, his own philosophies, his own thinking. Uh, And it has to do also with uh, another overarching idea which has to do is they walk by sight. They don't walk by faith. Now keep that in mind. I'm going to be returning to that idea a little later on. We can also go to Nehemiah 8.8, 8, which affirms the same methodology. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Also, if we go to the fourth gospel or Lazarus 5.39, We read this command, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Uh, This is also uh, amplified further if we go to Luke 24 uh, in verse 27, 30 to 32, and 44 to 45. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Verse 30, And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures and then 44 and 45 and he said unto them these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. There's an exceedingly important principle that God emphasizes over and over again in the Bible, namely that God hides truth. And he only reveals it to his elect, as Jesus time and time again would state in the familiar expression, For example, in Mark 4, 9, And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Proverbs 25, 2 encapsulates this truth as well. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. And we've understood that the word a thing and the word a matter is the same Hebrew word dabar. Strong's number 1697, and it's translated most of the time as word. And the point of Proverbs 25.2 finds its greatest expression 
in Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, which forms the basis for the powerful declaration in Mark 4, 10 through 13. And it's also found in about a half a dozen other scriptures in the New Testament, pointing to the fact that it is such a critical verse. Without a doubt, it's one of the most relevant passages in the entire Bible concerning how God crafted the Bible and also how God expects His people to understand the spiritual significance of whatever they're reading if it's God's good pleasure to open their understanding uh, according to God's own timetable for revealing truth, which is progressively, as we've noticed uh, throughout history. Uh, this is Mark 4, 10 through 13. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? And the reason for the question, the rhetorical question, is because the entire Bible is a parable. This is how God wrote it. And He's given us the methodology. Thankfully, He's given us many, many tools in our day, not only books, but also online materials so that we are in a position, unlike any other generation of believers before, to be able to access the scriptures even without knowing the original languages. Uh, this is also why we find the command uh, in Acts 17.11 that is so vital for the child of God to put into practice. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Now, I would be remiss not to mention that such an endeavor involves a great deal of prayer and more than that, for God to open our eyes. I can't stress that enough, those two things enough. Uh, we read in Psalm 119, verse 18, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And that is something that we need to constantly be praying whenever we read the Bible, for God to do that according to His good pleasure. Uh, the other passage is 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that word study is Strong's number 4704. It's in essence, it's be diligent. Be diligent 
uh, in the study of the Word of God, and rightly dividing is a, is a compound word. It's made up of ortho, tomeo. Ortho is where we get our word orthodontist, someone that straightens out teeth. Uh, tomeo has to do with dividing or cutting. So it's rightly dividing, or we could put it another way, rightly interpreting the Word of God. Uh, this is what God commands of us to, uh, to do that faithfully, rightly dividing the Word of truth. And of course, now we're back to again where we started off, and that is uh, the subject of faithful uh, biblical interpretation. And notice that Balaam forsook the right way. He went his own way. He went the, the broad way. Uh, and uh, just like we saw with uh, this word, which have forsaken, Strong's number 2641, the next phrase uh, is, and are gone astray, uh, which is Strong's number 4105. And this particular word surfaces uh, 39 times in the, Old, in the New Testament. And uh, some of the ways in which it's rendered are uh, deceive 24 times, err 6 times, go astray, like in our verse, 5 times, seduce twice, and once as wander and be out of the way. And we'll just uh, uh, look at a few uh, passages the uh, chapter of Matthew 24 has the most number of references of this particular word. And we find them in verses 4 to 5, 11, and 24. And it's all, they're all uh, translated as deceive. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. Verse 24, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, and it's not, they shall deceive the very elect. And that's also another wonderful truth that God corrects his people by the word of God if they fall into error. And all of us have been corrected time and time again. But the great thing about it is, is that God's people do not remain in that state because God is orchestrating the, the, the truth uh, in their life. And so, yes, they're going to fall into error at times, but then God is going to correct them, they're going to receive that correction, and they're going to move forward. And, and that is really important, this idea of moving forward as opposed to going backward. And we also see that, particularly in our day, because we're in a time of great testing. And in this time of testing, there are many that are going back they're going back to former doctrines. They're going back to the churches. They're going back to the world. They're not moving ahead. And, and this is what God commands of his people, that we move ahead. But we have to move ahead by faith. And those that are 
not moving ahead. They're, they're going backwards. The problem is, I, I would say the chief problem is, they are operating on the basis of what they see, not on the basis of faith, not on the basis of just the Bible alone. It's what they see that is, is causing the, the problem. And, and they're, they're taking that to heart instead of looking at what the scriptures are saying, examining the scriptures, comparing scripture with scripture, searching the scriptures as the Bereans did to really see, do these things add up? Because that is the posture that the true believer has to take. Uh, and I, I should mention that the chief hallmark, and I've said this a number of times before, of the Great Tribulation was deception, worldwide deception that was unparalleled. Uh, also, if we go to Galatians 6, 7, we find a, a similar war warning uh, where we find this word 4105, be deceived, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We're going to see this uh, especially with Balaam, but this would be true of any of the non-elect. Uh, and we could also say that the believers too will reap uh, by God's mercy and by God's grace what he has prepared for them. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.13 uh, offers this grave reminder, which again shows this backwards pattern of those who resist the truth and increasingly distance themselves from it uh, so that they get to a point where they are incapable of understanding what's truth and what's a lie. Uh, we know that, that there's that one passage that it says even the, the truth they have, God snatches that away from them. And this is how serious this issue really is. Now, <clears throat> on the contrary, uh, note the encouragement in uh, verses 14 to 17 of 2 Timothy 3. And this relates to God's uh, elect. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect truly furnished unto all good works. Also in Hebrews 3.10, uh, this term is rendered as they do err. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. Uh, lastly, we can look at a passage in 1 John uh, 2.26, where this term is translated as them that seduce. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. 
Now, let me also uh, mention this, this idea of, of going forward and not looking back. Uh, we also see, uh, for, for example, if we go to uh, the fourth gospel or Lazarus 831, it says there, uh, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And uh, this uh, word continue is Strong's number 3306. And it's the same word that I just read in uh, verse 14 of 2 Timothy 3. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And of course, in the historical context, Paul is talking to Timothy, but it's also applicable uh, to believers. Uh, apart from the fact that we've entered the day of judgment, salvation is a shut door. It's, it's no longer uh, available. Uh, we also, uh, you know, I mentioned that, that passage, uh, walking by faith, not by sight, which is 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And we can also uh, go, for example, to, um, let's see, Romans 9, uh, 32 to 33. Uh, we read there, Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, speaking about uh, Israel, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. As it is written, behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Uh, we also see this, uh, for example, in 1 Peter 2, uh, 7 and 8. Uh, unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Speaking about the Lord Jesus. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is become the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. And by contrast, we can read verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that is, a, a, a purchased people, people of possession, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness, into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Again, speaking about what took place uh, during the day of salvation. Uh, all right, let's see. Um, let me move on ahead then. Um, the next phrase is following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor. We've uh, encountered uh, this word following. 
uh, which is Strong's number 1811. By the way, um, the, this word, the way, we, that we saw earlier, here again it's repeated. Strong's number 3598. Balaam is 903, and Bosor is 1007. But let's look at this word 1811 following. Uh, we find it in 2 Peter 1.16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So it's we have followed 1811. Uh, by and this, of course, is speaking about the narrow way, the way that led to salvation. By contrast, we find the broad way depicted in 2 Peter 2.2 2, uh, of the, this same chapter that we're looking at. And many shall follow their pernicious or destructive ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Now, let's uh, consider the broad way that Balaam exemplifies uh, as he is a false teacher, and yet God used him to pen some of the most beautiful language uh, in the entire Bible. He only surfaces twice uh, in the New Testament, and uh, those appear, number one, in Jude 1.11, which similarly uh, offers this very solemn warning, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. So we see how God is linking Cain, he's linking Korah and his rebellion with Balaam. Uh, also in Revelation 2.14, uh, we read there, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast, them, thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. <clears throat> Excuse me. To eat, <clears throat> to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So let's start with Jude 1.11 and look at this phrase, ran greedily after the error of Balaam, to see if God might uh, show us uh, more information here, uh, because uh, he is being singled out in this chapter that is dealing with false teachers, Second Peter 2, and false prophets. Uh, and we have noted that there are some 30 characteristics that God highlights in Second Peter 2, and now he's bringing Balaam into the picture for us to gain more information and more of a perspective on, on him uh, as well. Uh, these three words, uh, ran greedily after, is 1632. Uh, the error is uh, 4106, and reward is 3408. Uh, these uh, uh, three terms uh, 
uh, only appear here in this citation together, but we do find 1632 ran greedily after and reward uh, 3408 in another passage, and only one passage, and it's a very uh, compelling scripture. It has to do with Judas in Acts 1.18. Uh, and ran greedily after is translated as gushed out, uh, referring to his bowels, while the other term, uh, reward, is uh, translated the same way, reward. Uh, 1632 uh, is a word that can refer to the shedding of Christ's blood, for example, or the shedding of believers' blood. and also of God pouring out his wrath. Uh, now I'll go ahead and read Acts 1.18. Now this man, Judas, purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. Uh, you might uh, recall that uh, earlier in our study, uh, in fact, in Second Peter part 17, Welcome to searching the we scriptures. looked at these Our two words, reward and of iniquity, as we were considering Second Peter 2.13. Uh, it, it says, excuse me, no, Second Peter 2.15. Uh, we read there, uh, I think I got the wrong two, let's see. Yeah, it is 2 Peter 2.13. And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that counted pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are in blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Uh, So these two words uh, also uh, 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 appear... um, Let's see, um, I might have put down the wrong scripture. Uh, okay, anyway, Second uh, Peter 2.15, we find the two words, the wages of unrighteousness, and these are also found in Acts uh, 1.18, the reward of iniquity. Uh, wages or reward is 34.08, and unrighteousness or iniquity <clears throat> excuse me, is Strong's number 93. The uh, next uh, word that we want to uh, consider is in Jude, 1, in Jude 111 is the word the error. Uh, actually, this is a word that is related to the word and are gone astray that we looked at a little while ago, which is 4105. This one is 4106. And you'll recall that Jude uh, is very similar in content to what we find here in 2 Peter 2. In fact, uh, both 4105 and 4106 stem from the same root word, which is 4108. But uh, let's take a look at this word 4106 which appears in nine other passages, and we'll just look at a, at a few of them just because of uh, uh, time constraints. Uh, in Ephesians uh, 4.14, uh, 
4106 is translated, instead of error, it's translated to deceive. And <clears throat> once again, we find this express warning about false teachers, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Uh, also in 1 Thessalonians 2, uh, 1 to 13, uh, here we find a passage where God is uh, really uh, showing how believers are to uh, present the truth, how they're to present the word of God to others. And here this word, uh, uh, the error or Strong's number 4106 is translated as deceit in verse uh, 3. And you'll notice, <clears throat> and this is one of the reasons I wanted to read uh, verses 1 to 13, is because of the uh, contrast uh, between these false teachers and false prophets and with how the elect are to conduct themselves in presenting the truth to others. <clears throat> Excuse me. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, that's our word, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel only, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. But ye, for ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved among ourselves, excuse me, we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God 
who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. In 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 11, uh, God emphatically states how he blinded those within the end-time institutional churches and denominations with an unparalleled delusion as he handed over the reins of those uh, churches to Satan uh, at the start of the Great Tribulation uh, on May 21, 1988, in accordance with 1 Peter 4.17. Uh, this is 2 Thessalonians 2.11. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. That's our word, 41.06, that they should believe a lie. Uh, we also uh, see this expression again. Well, we'll see this expression again in this chapter, 2 Peter 2, when we get down to verse 18. And here in verse 18, it is translated as error. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. And also, if the Lord allows us to get to 2 Peter 3.17, uh, we read there, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, Beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Uh, and then lastly, we can take a look at 1 John 4, 6, which makes this very important distinction uh, regarding God's elect who proclaim the truth as opposed to those false teachers who do not. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And you know, I think it's important that we recognize that we're not to trust any individual, any teacher. We are to simply trust the Word of God. I don't want anybody trusting what I say. I want you to check out what I say, because I could be in error, and, and I do make mistakes. Uh, but the key is, does this comport with the Word of God? That's really the standard that any teacher is held accountable to. And, and that's why we, we always have to go back to the Word of God. That's our authority. That's our source of truth. Uh, that we know that that is infallible. And our understanding uh, might not be infallible. It's certainly not. Uh, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. But yet God in His mercy corrects His people, as I said before, and He brings His people along so that little by little, here a little, there a little, they learn 
more and more truth. They build upon that truth, and that becomes a, a rock-solid foundation for them. Now, the, the third word in Jude 1.11 is uh, the term for reward, which is Strong's number 3408. Uh, I commented uh, on this earlier, so uh, let's go ahead and proceed to the second passage uh, in the New Testament. Uh, that makes reference to Balaam, which is Revelation 2.14. Again, one of the many scriptures that uh, is directed to the uh, churches and denominations that came under the wrath of God as God warned them that if they did not repent, he would take away their candlestick, typifying the light of the gospel, uh, which, as I mentioned, he did as of May 21. 1988 at the start of the Great Tribulation. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. Uh, now, we read about the, the doctrine of Balaam only in this verse. Uh, uh, however, uh, there's uh, uh, some other passages that we can uh, look at uh, that have this word doctrine in it. Uh, Strong's number 1322. Uh, we find this in the fourth gospel, or Lazarus uh, 7, 16 through 7. Uh, where the Lord makes this declaration, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Also in 2 John 1, 9, uh, we read there, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. And twice we have this word abideth in this, in this verse. And it's the same word that I mentioned earlier in this study, uh, if, uh, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, or in 2 Timothy 3, 14, where it says to continue thou in the things that thou hast learned. Uh, here it's translated, instead of uh, continue, it's translated abide, and it's used as abide quite a few times. But the idea is to abide or to remain in the doctrine of Christ. In other words, in the Word of God, to continue in the Word of God, because that is the only way of advancing forward. If we start walking by sight, naturally we're going to regress, and we're going to be going backwards, and that is antithetical uh, to the Bible. It's against what the Scriptures teach. Now, we find in Revelation 2.14, three uh, sinful characteristics <clears throat> regarding uh, the doctrine of Balaam or regarding Balaam. 
Uh, number one, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. Uh, number two, to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And number three, to commit fornication. But we don't have time today uh, to begin looking at these uh, three uh, uh, qualities. And so I think it's probably best to wait until next Sunday, Lord willing, and then we can uh, pick this up uh, then. All right, um, so for now, uh, let's uh, have uh, some, uh, a period of question and answers. Uh, if anybody uh, has a question, I, ha I have received three of them already, but if you do have a, uh, a question, uh, feel free to post that uh, in, in the study on Facebook. And uh, also, again, we have this uh, wonderful opportunity to be able to uh, look at the Bible, to look at the Word of God, and I will try, Lord willing, to bring an answer from scripture if I can. Uh, but again, the wonderful thing about this is that we can consider these passages, even if I'm not able to uh, give an answer at this point, I will try my best to uh, search it out as much as I can, uh, and then possibly at a later date provide that as well. But for now, uh, I do have, um, a question that we received. We didn't see it, unfortunately, at the end of last Sunday's study, uh, but it says, would you expound on this very interesting verse? And this is uh, Lazarus 3.13, or the fourth gospel 3.13. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And the, um, uh, the person goes on to say, Jesus is speaking and says, the Son of Man which is in heaven while he is on the earth. Uh, and I thank you for this question because it's actually one of the most outstanding verses in the entire Bible that speaks about the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, for example, uh, Let's take a look at the words, hath ascended up and, and heaven. Hath ascended up is Strong's number 305. It's Anabaino, and heaven is Strong's number 3772. Uh, we read, for example, in Acts uh, 2, uh, 29 to 35, <clears throat> men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all, we all are witnesses. Uh, 
Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. And that had to do with the, uh, the miracle of the foreign tongues on the day of Pentecost, uh, May 22nd, 33 AD. Uh, verse 34, for David is not ascended, this is our word, 305, into the heavens, 3772, but he saith himself, the Lord, or Jehovah said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Uh, and actually this is uh, quoting, or Psalm, uh, verses 34 and 35 is uh, quoting Psalm 110 verse one, uh, which is where we read that Christ ascended to heaven after completing the atonement, which took place prior to the foundation of the world. Uh, I'll read Psalm 110, one, a Psalm of David. Jehovah said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. We also find uh, Psalm 110, one quoted in Hebrews 1.13. I'll read verses one, to, uh, 1 through 13, and you might pay close attention to the latter part of verse 3, which further amplifies the matter of the firstborn or first begotten from the dead. Uh, as we read in Colossians 1.18 and Revelation 1.5 respectively. Uh, this is uh, Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And then in Revelation uh, 1.5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Uh, okay, this is Hebrews 1, 1 through 13. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Again, this is speaking about prior to the foundation. Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, uh, the idea of begetting 
has to do with being the firstborn from the dead or the first begotten from the dead, which again took place uh, prior to the foundation. Um, and again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. This is repeated again. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they shall all wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Again, the right hand having to do with his ascension into heaven after the atonement prior to the foundation of the world. Now, this uh, word uh, ascended, <clears throat> as I mentioned, is Strong's number 305, Anabaino. There's a, a similar word, which is to descend, and that is he that came down from heaven. Uh, and this is Katabaino, uh, 2597. And the two terms uh, came down or descended in heaven uh, are found together in a number of uh, verses. Uh, and we'll take a look at um, a few of them. Uh, we also um, can look, for example, at Ephesians 4, 8 through 10, uh, where we have actually both terms, uh, ascending, descending, and also heaven as well. And uh, Ephesians 4, 8 through 10 uh, says, Wherefore, when he, wherefore he saith, when he ascended, up on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. So we have three usages of this word ascended, 305, twice for the word descended, and then once we have the word for heaven. And again, the descent has to do with the fact that he um, was under the wrath of God, he died and was annihilated, but then he rose again from the dead to sit on the right hand of God the Father. Uh, we also find the, uh, 
the four words, which is in heaven, uh, in, in this particular verse, uh, in Lazarus 3.13, and no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Uh, so we see the, the reality of the atonement prior to the foundation of the world, and then we also see the fact that Christ um, uh, took on a human nature in 33 AD, which is, is really what is in view in, in Hebrews, where it says uh, in verse 31, I'm sorry, uh, not Hebrews, but Acts 2, 31, he seen this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. We know that has to do with 33 AD because prior to the foundation of the world, he did see corruption, which is what we read about in Jonah 2, where it talks about Christ being in the belly of the whale, in the belly of hell or the grave. And there we find this uh, term, the Hebrew equ equivalent uh, uh, of, of corruption. I shouldn't say equivalent uh, to this word here, but uh, it is the equivalent idea. It's the fact that he did experience that, that corruption, that annihilation. Um, okay, now these uh, last four words uh, in, uh, in our verse, which is in heaven, uh, they only appear in one other passage together, and that's in Matthew 7, 11. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? But as I said uh, at the onset, in this verse, let me read, read it again, because it is such a powerful verse. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Again, uh, uh, making the point that Christ is always eternal God, and he's always in heaven, positionally, even when he was down on earth. He was in heaven uh, as part of the, of the Trinity. Uh, and he arose at the foundation of the world after he made the atonement, uh, after descending down, uh, as it were, uh, into the belly of hell, into the, into the grave, because he was laden with the sins of his people. And that's one of the reasons why we know that uh, the atonement, the payment for sins had to have taken place uh, prior to the foundation of the world, just like we read uh, here in Acts 2.31, because at the cross, his flesh did not see corruption. His body did not corrupt uh, because he was not bearing sin at that particular time. But thank you again. Uh, that was a really, really good question. And uh, let's see. Uh, uh, last week, we, I got another question uh, having to do with Exodus 39.9. And I did a little more work on it. So I'd like to uh, just mention that. 
We read in Exodus 39, 8 through 9, and the question was, why was Aaron's um, breastplate doubled up uh, in Exodus 39, 9? I'll read uh, verse 8 as well. And he made the breastplate of cunning work, like the work of the ephod, of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen. It was four square. Uh, they made the breastplate double a span, was the length thereof, and a span the breadth thereof, being doubled. The word for breastplate is Strong's number 3833, and of um, uh, the, there's uh, another. Uh, passage, and this is in Exodus 28, which I think is helpful because it goes on to uh, explain that this was the breastplate of judgment. Uh, and the word judgment uh, can, and it's primarily translated as judgment, but it can refer to the law or ordinance or manner, a right, cause, etc. Uh, we, we, we read uh, in Exodus 28 uh, in verses 15 and then 29 through 30 uh, where we have these two words, the breastplate, which is 38, 33, and judgment is 49, 41. And notice how he repeats this three times, the, the, the idea of the breastplate of judgment. And thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. After the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, and of fine twined linen, shalt thou make it. And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart. When he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before Jehovah continually. And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before Jehovah. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before Jehovah continually. And the the, the person that had submitted the question was asking the doubling up of the, uh, of the breastplate, uh, could that refer to Christ uh, being uh, uh, slain twice? And uh, I don't know still, I'd like to do more study on it, but uh, this word double uh, is 3717, and uh, we do find it in uh, three other passages. Uh, in Exodus 26, 9, it says, And thou shalt couple five curtains, uh, speaking about the, the curtains in the tabernacle, by themselves, and six curtains by themselves, and shalt double the sixth curtain in the forefront of the tabernacle. Also, uh, in Exodus 28, 16, we find a similar declaration. Four square, it shall be being doubled a span, shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. And 
if I'm not mistaken, that I think that is also speaking, let me double check, uh, about the, uh, the breastplate as well. Let's see. Right, yes, it is uh, for sure. Uh, the last one is in Ezekiel 21, 14. Uh, Thou therefore, son of man, prophesy and smite thine hands together and let the sword be doubled. The third time, the sword of the slain, the sword of the great men that are slain, which entereth into their privy chambers. And in Ezekiel 21, uh, we, saw, we find a chapter that is uh, focusing in on the judgment against Judah and Jerusalem, uh, typifying the end time institutional churches and denominations of our day. Uh, but uh, again, I, whether this breastplate being doubled, uh, whether that can refer to Christ being slain twice, I don't know at this point. I need to still do some more uh, work on that. Uh, but uh, I did want to mention this uh, uh, as well because it gives us a little more uh, information to go on that we can further uh, investigate each of these verses having to do uh, with the curtains and also this passage in Ezekiel 21, uh, which very definitely has to do uh, with, the, uh, with judgment. The other thing, too, is apparently... Uh, there was a pocket on the breastplate. It had the stones of the 12 tribes, but there was also like a pocket where they had the Urim and the Thummim. I believe they were like stones by which God indicated what, what his will was at the time, whether they should go into a battle or not. Uh, and so that uh, you also have that idea there having to do with the will of God. Uh, and uh, again, um, uh, you know, the, you had the, the, the 12 tribes on the breastplate. In other words, on Aaron's heart, we know that Aaron is a type of the high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is very interesting, but again, I don't want to, uh, you know, jump to any conclusions uh, at, at this point. But thank you again uh, for that question. And we have uh, one more, unless there are others uh, online. Uh, and this uh, has to do with uh, three passages, uh, Psalm 43.5, Psalm 39.6, and Psalm 42.5 and 11. And the, uh, the persons are asking, uh, could you uh, explain this idea of being cast down or being disquieted uh, as we find uh, in these three passages? Uh, Psalm 43, 5 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Uh, then, uh, by the way, uh, the word for cast down is 78, 17 and disquieted is 1993. Uh, Psalm 39.6, uh, there we read, Surely every man walketh in a vain show. 
surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. Uh, then in Psalm 42, uh, 5 and 11, there we, we find uh, these words, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. So we also see uh, both of those. It's almost like a repetition there. Now, th this particular word, uh, cast down, as I said, is Strong's number 7817. It's also translated as bowed down. Uh, we read in Psalm 38, 6, I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. And this is uh, not untypical uh, with uh, mankind, but also of, of true believers. Uh, they can be cast down. Uh, yet wonderfully for the true believer, uh, there is that hope. Uh, we can cast our cares upon the Lord uh, whatever the burdens that we are carrying, we don't have to carry those. We can give them to him. And we can trust that he knows everything about whatever the issue might be, no, no matter how serious the issue might be, uh, whether it's an ailment, a physical ailment, whether it's a financial situation, a relationship situation, God knows all about it and we can cast our cares upon him, and we can beseech him, you know, for his mercy, for his guidance uh, in, in, in any situation that we encounter, because God has allowed us, for whatever reason, to, in, to be in that situation. This is not an accident at all, because God is intimately associated, or intimately involved, I should say, in the life of each child of God. And, and he is conforming them to the image of Christ. And so, because every individual is different, God deals with us differently. And, and his methodology is different. And what he allows to occur in our lives is always different from perhaps someone else. Sure, there might be similarities. Okay, but overall, God is working in us, as I say, to conform the child of God to the image of Christ. Uh, also in Ecclesiastes 12.4, uh, we find this word brought low. Um, and the doors shall be shut in the streets. This is speaking about judgment day. When the sound of the grinding is low and shall rise up at the voice of the bird and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Uh, also in Isaiah 2, 11, uh, we also find this is uh, bowed down. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and Jehovah alone shall be exalted 
uh, in that day. Uh, also, the word uh, disquieted can be translated as roar. Uh, in Psalm 46, uh, verses 3 and 6, it says, Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. Uh, verse 6, the heathen raged. This is the same word, 1993. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. Uh, also, uh, in Psalm 55, 17, uh, it's cry aloud. Uh, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud. I don't know that it's the word cry. I think it's just aloud. And he shall hear my voice. Again, we can go to the Lord with our petitions, with our supplications, knowing that he understands everything. And, and we can leave it with him. And, and, and that, you know, is that wonderful joy, unspeakable. Uh, it's the understanding. Uh, it's, excuse me, it's the peace that passeth understanding. It's a peace that only Jesus can give us. Even as he said, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Uh, also, uh, in, Saw, in Isaiah 51, 15, it says, But I am Jehovah thy God, that divided the sea, whose waves roared. Jehovah of hosts is his name. We see God's mighty power <clears throat> excuse me, in parting that vast body of water. You know, the tons and thousands of tons of water being held back so the Israelites could cross over. And so we see the, the power of God, this unfathomable power where he can speak and, and create a whole universe. Uh, and, and this is the power that the believer has that he can access, that he can petition God for his mercy and, and lean upon God uh, wholeheartedly and, and just trust him. That's, that's really what God wants. And, and that really goes hand in hand with this whole idea of advancing forward. We have to trust God. We walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. That is a trap to walk by sight. And it only leads somebody backward. It never leads somebody forward. And for the true believer, that, that it's always an upward climb. We might not realize it. It might seem downward to us at times, but it's always an upward climb. Because God is at work uh, to will and to do of his good pleasure in the child of God's life. Uh, I, Isaiah 59, 11, we roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none for salvation, but it is far off from us. Here it's that word roar. Also in, in Jeremiah 4.19, my bowels, my bowels, I am pained at my very heart. My heart maketh a noise, it's this word noise in me. I cannot hold my peace, because thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Uh, lastly, Jeremiah 5.22, Fear ye not me, saith Jehovah, 
Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot, that cannot, that it cannot pass it? And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet they uh, can they not prevail? Though they roar, that, that's the word again, yet can they not pass over? So again, I, I thank you uh, for that, that very good question. I'm not sure if we have um, any other questions at this point. It doesn't look like it. Oh, actually, there might be one question. Um, it's a question having to do with the depravity of man, and we, we recognize that, that man is not depraved as he could be. He's not totally depraved, you know, as, as we read in, in one of the confessions. And it, it really stems from the idea that God is the one that restrains sin. Now, we're living at a time when God's hand has been, uh, he's no longer restraining although there is still a, a, a degree of restraint as well. Uh, but, but we are under the wrath of God at this point. This world is under judgment. And we see things that we've never seen before, and it's a situation that can only get worse. It can never get better, because we are living in the day of judgment, and God is ruling this world with a rod of iron. Uh, and uh, because of that, we see all kinds of terrible things a man has turned his back on God, and uh, now uh, God is inflicting uh, this world, which is really in the condition of hell. It's in the condition of the grave. Uh, however, uh, throughout history, we see that God restrains sin to a very, very high degree. Uh, and so man is not totally depraved. He's depraved because he's sinful, but he's not totally depraved. He's not as sinful as he could be. Uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, so we, we, might, we might question that when we see some of the things that we do, but we have to recognize the, the, and if we look at our own hearts, we realize the depths of our depravity. We don't have to look elsewhere. We can just look in our own hearts and realize how depraved we are, uh, except for the mercy of God. And that is the thing that is really unbelievable. You know, that God would pay for the sins of just one person, you know, and that would mean he would have to suffer uh, death and annihilation for that one person. Uh, which he did at the, at the foundation of the world, but it wasn't just for one person. It was for a great multitude of people that he did this. And it was because of his great love. And we do not understand the love of God. He tells us in Romans 9, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. When they weren't even born, they had not done any good or evil. It's, it's just the purpose of God. 
And so uh, we uh, can be grateful for the, the freedoms that we do have, particularly in, in our land, uh, to, to get the, the word of God out. Uh, we are not censored in any way, as in some countries. Uh, and so there, we, have, we can enjoy a great number of freedoms. Uh, but again, uh, the, this, this issue uh, has to do with the fact that, that God does, like I say, particularly prior to the day of judgment, he restrains sin for, to a great degree because this ties into God's whole program of times and seasons. And in order for those times and seasons to take place, he orchestrates everything so that nothing can thwart his will to be done. And I thank you for that question. Of what? Uh, it says, can you please explain the, the spiritual significance of Amos 3.12? Let me take a look. We read there, Thus saith Jehovah, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs, or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out that dwell in Samaria, and in the corner of a bed, and in Damascus in a couch. And I'm sorry, I'm not able to, I've never worked on this, and so I, I don't want to even even begin to uh, expound on that. But I thank you that you brought this uh, question up, and it's something I can try to look into, Lord willing. If we don't have any other questions in, um, we can close with our remaining three hymns, if I can find out where they are at. Let's see. All right, the first one is Jehovah's Perfect Law. Actually, I beg your pardon, that's, that's not the right one. I waited for the Lord Most High. I waited for the Lord Most High.
The next hymn is going to be Jerusalem the Golden. third hymn is going to be, It is Well with My Soul.
Let's uh, close in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, again, we thank you that uh, we have been able to have this uh, time of fellowship together, and we pray for your people, wherever they may be around the world. Uh, Father, that you would strengthen and encourage them uh, this, uh, for this coming week. Uh, give them all that they need according to your perfect will in their lives, and cause us to continually uh, look to you to walk by faith and to trust you, Father, that uh, you will fulfill uh, your glorious salvation program in, in your timing. And until then, we pray that you would give your people much patience and also much comfort uh, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that the Lord will bless the rest of your Sabbath. Thank you for joining us today for Searching the Scriptures. Until next time, to God be the glory.